So good morning, everyone. Is it working? You guys hear me well? All right. Uh, I just want to start off today's message by doing a quick poll. Um, so you can just, just raise your hands, all right? So a quick survey. How many of you have siblings? Just your hand up if you have siblings. If you have brother or sister, it doesn't matter if you're youngest, oldest, or middle, or anything. All right, so put it nice and high, nice and high. Keep it up. All right, so that's, I would say a great majority of you have siblings. Now, keep your hand up if you're the youngest of your family. So if you're the youngest sibling. Awesome. So why I'm saying this is because I'm the youngest in the family too. And I do believe there are some benefits to being the youngest in the family. Now, some of you guys already probably know what I'm talking about. Um, aside from getting all the attention and getting everything that you want and maybe being spoiled, uh, one of them is that you learn how to serve others at a very early age. In particular, your older siblings. Um, I have two older siblings. I have two sisters. Um, one is four years older than me and one that is six years older than me. And when we were growing up, um, they gave me many opportunities to serve them. Uh, they would often say things like, like, Johnny, unless you do everything that we tell you to do, we're not going to let you play with us. And uh, so, so, you know, most of the time I listened to them and I did what they wanted me to do. You know, I did their chores. I would sweep the floor for them. I would wash the dishes. I would clean the table. And sometimes they even dared me to do things that got me into trouble too. Uh, all because they, they say they're not going to let me play with them. And uh, sometimes we would play restaurant with them. You know, we have like, you know, a toy kitchen and stuff. And then they would go, okay, I'll, uh, I'll be the chef. And uh, you, the other sister, you can be uh, the, the customer. And Johnny, you can be the waiter. So then, you know, they would be telling me to go back and forth doing all these different things. So all throughout my childhood, as I was growing up, I got lots of opportunities to serve others. But here's the thing, is I believe... Being called a servant, or even being a servant today, is often not looked upon as something that's good. It's not something that everyone chases and desires to be. I mean, uh, when we think of being a servant, or when we think of the word servant, we often are reminded of someone being like a slave. We're reminded of probably someone who's lower class, or maybe someone who's not as worthy. But today what we want to talk about is that in the Bible we're actually clear, it's clearly taught that we as Christians should be servants. Not servants as in the way that, you know, we do everything that someone else tells us to do, but servant for God and servant for other people. Christians are called to serve. So if you've been into a church for even a short period of time, you probably have noticed that there are many opportunities for you to volunteer at or to serve or to help out. You know, it's almost every week we have announcements saying, oh, we have this thing that can come volunteer and help us out with. In our bulletin, there's even a section that says this week's service opportunities, just highlighting how you can serve in the church. Now, I guess the main question to think about is why do Christians need to serve? Why can't we just be Christians without serving? And some of the questions that we often thinking that we often think about about serving is could be one such as is serving if there's a whole point of serving really possibly just to make us feel better, to make us feel good? I mean there's been studies before that shows if you volunteer or if you dedicate time of your week, of your work to help others, it can lead to a happier life. So is that the point of serving? Some other questions that we might think about that relates to serving. The serving food to the homeless. Or, or raking leaves in a neighborhood. 
or picking up garbage in the city, or doing all these things to help other people really make a difference in the kingdom of God? Aren't there more effective ways that we can use our time and our energy and our resources to help spread the gospel? Maybe another question that I often hear, being a youth pastor, is, is serving God the same as volunteering in the school or community? And often ask, do I get volunteer hours along with that? And maybe another question that many of us ask is, if I'm a Christian, do I have to serve in a ministry? What if I'm not serving right now? So I believe in the Bible today, we're going to look at in 1 Peter 4, 7, 11. Uh, so I invite you to just keep it open with me, because we're going to go through the verses and just um, highlight some of the points today. So I'll just turn to it and just dig into God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 7 to 11. It says, The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. So isn't it interesting how in the beginning of this passage, Peter starts off by saying, the end of all things is near. The end of all things is near. I mean, that's not a normal way that you would, you would start off a, a, a paragraph. I mean, it says... In just one verse earlier, in verse 6, Peter says and talks about how Christians were being persecuted and how Christians are dying. And right immediately in the next verse, in verse 7, Peter quickly talks about the imminent return of Jesus for the church. What he's doing here is he's reminding the Christians that there's not much time left in this world before Jesus returns. There's not much time left. And it uses that motivation for us to live a life that serves Jesus. And I think for us today, sometimes we get too comfortable, we get a bit too busy, and we get too distracted, that we lose sight of the real reason why Jesus, what he is calling us to live a life for. What is the true purpose of living here? How we live and serve today determines how we are judged and rewarded on the day when we all stand in front of God. Let's so move on. First 8, it says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. I want to show you here a picture of uh, some runners, some athletes. So you can see here, there are just people running. These athletes, they've been training a long time for this race. And right before the finish line, they would usually just kind of give all their effort and just stretch and just do one more leap and stick your head forward just so they can get that microsecond faster in their time and just to beat the opponent. But what I want to point out and highlight are their muscles. <laughs> yes, they're very muscular, but um, look how their muscles are strained, how they're tight, how it's showing, how it's showing through the skin. 
Why I'm pointing this out is because right here in verse 8, the word deeply that's used to describe love, in Greek it's the same word that's used to describe the, the taut, the tight, the strained muscles that athletes have when they enter into race. It's the same word, the word deeply here. So what that means is, a Christian's love and our concern for others should be exercised to the point where it is stretched tightly and is sacrificially giving for the other person's welfare. Where our love is stretched so tightly that we are sacrificially giving to others. I think this whole concept of love that is stretched so deeply here is something that not many of us are too accustomed to. I mean, how many often have we cared for someone and that we have served someone to the point that our capacity to love this person is stretched to the maximum, especially to people that we don't care about or that we don't know, strangers on the street, the homeless, those who are needy. I mean, it's easy for us to care and love our family members and our friends so much that you know, we're willing to maybe even sacrifice things for them, maybe to a point that we're even willing to die for them. But how often have we served someone to a point, to love someone to a point that we are just stretched to our limit to care for them? And I believe that God can use these moments to increase our capacity to love. Verse 9 says, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Back then, in biblical times, uh, when Peter was writing this, this letter, he was writing it to... Uh, primarily five places in the Roman Empire. And the Christians were just starting to be persecuted here. And there's just there's all these uprises and rebellions happening, and just uh, the government uh, are just starting to persecute and arrest and even kill Christians. So here, when Peter's writing this, he says this at a very appropriate time. When he was writing this, Christians were being persecuted, and hospitality was especially welcome. Because sometimes Christians would be exiled to other places or kicked out to live other places. And where would Christians usually find a place to live? In a strange land. In the homes of other Christians. But interestingly here, he says, offer hospitality, not just offer hospitality. He says, do it without grumbling. Without grumbling. Now, what I believe is happening here is that some Christians, they were opening up their houses to people in need, to people who need a place, to people who need a meal, a place to stay overnight. And they're here, they're just opening up to them. But sometimes behind the scenes, or when they're talking with their other friends, they would be whining, they would be complaining, maybe about how the people staying with them are messy, or eating up all their food, or just doing things that causes them to grumble. I think this is relevant for us today too. Um, I think sometimes when we are serving, there will be moments that cause us to be unhappy, to be stressed out, or maybe some conflicts with other people that we're serving with, and that causes us to grumble. And just really causes us to examine, think about, you know, if this is right, if all this grumbling is what we need to do. And Peter here says at the right moments that we need to do all these things without grumbling. In verse 10, Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others, 
as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. There's another interesting word here that I want to highlight and bring to your attention. The word steward. Steward. I mean, today when we think of the word steward, we probably think of like stewardess, you know, on the people serving on the airplanes. Uh, but in the biblical times, this word can also mean a person who is a house manager, a house caretaker. Now, what it means is uh, the steward actually has no wealth of his own. He's pretty poor, actually. But he would help distribute his master's wealth, all the money that belongs to his master, according to what his master's will, his plan, and his direction was. So, for example, if his master wanted one-tenth of his wealth to be given to the poor, and a quarter of his wealth to be infested, and another, another third used to buy things in the house, you know, he would give all this plan and direction to the steward of the house, the house manager, and allow him to dispense his wealth accordingly. And see, with Peter, he uses this, this example, this illustration, this analogy, to tell us as Christians that we need to be like the stewards, the house managers, where we would use our spiritual gifts, our talents, our abilities, to do things that God has called us to do, to help dispense His grace and His love to other people. It's pretty simple. God gives us spiritual gifts. When we're Christians, everyone is re- receives spiritual gifts. And these spiritual gifts are not things like playing the piano really well. It's not like maybe in Christian all of a sudden, uh, you never took piano lessons before, but all of a sudden you can play piano like really well. Not those kind of gifts like that. Spiritual gifts are things that the Bible tells us are things like um, things of hospitality, the gift of administration, gift of preaching, of teaching. Things that would be used to glorify God's name. Things that would be used to help build up His body. And when we are become Christians, we are all given these gifts. So God calls us to use these gifts that He has given us, and our abilities, the natural abilities that we have, the talents, our interests, all these things that He has created for us to be this unique person. To use it to do His will, so that His grace and His love can be dispensed to everyone else. It's pretty simple if you think about it. Moving on to verse 11. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the fairy words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So right now I want you to just imagine if the Prime Minister called you one night and said, so-and-so, I am coming to your house for dinner tonight. And they are, okay. Okay, I've got to prepare the dinner for the Prime Minister or the president from the states. You know, what would you do? What would you serve the prime minister, this person of high importance? Would you serve them your best dishes? Maybe bring out your, your nicest utensils, nicest forks and, and knives, and then you just cook the best to your ability and you serve them to the best of your ability. But what if instead of doing all that, you give this person of high value and importance your leftovers from a week before instead. Now, this might seem absurd to many of us to do that. But in the same way, I think sometimes we do this to God. We offer God our leftovers. Our leftover time. 
our leftover resources, our leftover energy. We only decide to serve God when, after everything else is taken care of, then we'll schedule some time here to serve others. See, many people are often just too caught up in their own lives than to take an active part in the body of Christ. Just earlier this week, Angel and I, we went to, uh, we got free tickets to go to Canada Got Talent, that TV show where, where uh, people from all across Canada would uh, apply and try to, it's like a talent show for the whole Canada. Uh, the one we went to is for Vancouver. And uh, we saw many interesting acts from like uh, uh, yo-yo acts to like, you know, fire dances and weird people singing and dancing. Um, it's going to be an interesting uh, first season, I believe. But we were watching there at the show. And it was, it was a blast watching all these people perform and doing all their, using all their gifts and their talents to try to win this competition. Um, it was fun. It was, it was awesome. But I was, it was a moment where I was imagining how much more exciting and how much more fun it would be to actually participate in this, in this talent show than to just be a spectator. How much more fun it would be to a participant than a spectator. You know, some Christians come to church, you know, as exactly this, a spectator. They come to church just to observe, just to watch, but not participate in any of its ministries, not participate in any of its groups and fellowships. Right now, I just want to encourage you, if you are a Christian, you're a believer, you're just visiting our church, but you're not being an active part of it, that you need to take part in it. You need to start using the gifts and the talents that God has given you and blessed you with and to use it to serve Him. I mean, imagine what can be accomplished in this church if the people, both the young and the old, stepped up and used all their gifts and their abilities to help build up the ministries of the church and to fulfill all the areas of need. Imagine the impact that we can have on this neighborhood, in this church, around this church. If hundreds of people showed up today and just started raking their leaves. And on top of that, instead of just raking their leaves, we asked them, is there anything that we can do to serve you better? Is there anything else that you want us to help you out with? And we don't do this just once a year. We do it regularly out of the kindness of our hearts to serve them. Imagine what we can do if the thousands and thousands of Christians around Vancouver got together and came up with a movement and a plan to take, to take poverty and to help feed the hungry and the, to clothe the poor, to help make all these things happen. Imagine what the world would be like if all, the, all these hidden and untapped resources and gifts of Christians are finally released and being used to build up the kingdom of God. Uh, just several years ago, uh, in the, there's a study that shows that the Sahara Desert, which is the second largest desert in the world, uh, I believe they were using a spaceship, and they were doing some satellite scans or whatever, um, but they found out that there were actually lots of hidden lakes and rivers underneath the Sahara, Sahara Desert. Now, isn't that amazing? Because, you know, it's a desert. It's the world's largest, one of the world's largest deserts, but underneath hundreds and thousands of meters underneath the desert and the sand. They're actually reservoirs of large bodies of water. Just miles and miles of water deep underneath the desert. Now, why I'm telling this is, 
If we look around here in this church, there are lots of untapped resources and gifts that we are not that we have not tapped into yet, that we are not using for the kingdom of God. Imagine what we can do if all of us got together and we used all the resources and gifts that God has given us and blessed us with to help build up His kingdom. So today, I just like to ask you one question is how can you take one step further in serving God today how can you take one step further that's what we've been talking about all since September our theme is taking one step further and think about the areas that you're serving if you're already serving in the church maybe some of you I know many of you are hard working you give up hours and hours of your, and days of your week serving God serving this church this community there are some of us who have maybe just taken a step back because we need a break. That's okay. Some of us are maybe just became believers and we are just getting accustomed to this whole idea of serving and we're not too sure what serving really means and why we really need to serve. And that's okay too. But today I just to challenge you is how can you take that one step further to serve God better today? Maybe that can mean Trying out new things that you are not comfortable to. There's mission trips that are coming up in the summer that you can try doing. There are things that you can do. You can, be, you can help over ministries with a small group leader. There's tons of areas that we need you to help with in the church. And sometimes it's not just inside the church. Outside the church there are many areas too. So how can you take one step further in serving God today? And one last point I just want to bring up is sometimes we will feel inadequate. Sometimes we will feel that we're not good enough. And sometimes we will feel that we're not mature enough in our faith to believe and to serve the body of Christ. Sometimes we use the excuse that, oh, maybe when I become, when I know more about God, when I believe more in God, then I will serve in this ministry. Until I'm not a sinner anymore, or until I stop doing this thing, the struggle that I have, until that is gone, I won't go and help feed the the hungry or to clothe those who are cold. You don't need to be perfect to serve. You don't need to be mature to a point where you feel you're ready to serve. You see, God, once again, has given you everything that you need to serve Him. The only question is, are you using them to serve Him? There will always be an area, there will always be a need for you to serve Him. And all Christians are essentially called to serve. And if you're unclear about what God is calling you to serve in, or what your spiritual gifts are, or, or what needs there are in church, feel free to talk to uh, one of the small group leaders, or one of the pastors, or anyone who, that you are familiar with, that knows you well. And we can help you, and guide you in direction, and plug you in into a place that you can serve and use your gifts for God. So how can you take one step further to serve God today? Let's pray.